most nation-state activity is effectively collateral damage. The nation-state is uh, a bit like with NotPetya and the incident with Maersk. What happens is the nation-state intends to create some effect, but very hard to control that effect sometimes, and then it just spreads into a vessel as collateral damage. When we found this malware on these vessels, it was just around the time when the Russia-Ukraine situation was escalating. And in shipping in general, it's not a targeted sector for nation-state. So when you find something that has real links to nation-state actors within shipping and on vessel systems, you really need to pay attention in light of the, the particular geopolitical tensions as well. Welcome to the Shoreline Maritime Risk Podcast. In each episode, we'll look at real-time case studies, current events, and speak to the experts dealing with critical risks at sea. What really happens when a crisis strikes at sea? And what can you do to protect your ship? Good afternoon, Daniel, the CEO of CyberOwl, the Maritime Security Risk Monitoring Service. It gives me great pleasure to speak with you today, Daniel, and thank you for accepting our invitation at such short notice. I'll give you a few moments to introduce yourself to our audience, and then we can really get into the meat of our discussion today, which is going to be around a particular cyber attack on one unfortunate shipper. So if I just hand over to you, just to sort of just advise our listeners about your background and, and your perspective on maritime cyber risk. Absolutely. Thanks, Tom, for uh, having Having me and inviting me to this podcast, it's my, my real pleasure to help raise awareness and education. So CyberAll, as you say, is a maritime cyber risk monitoring company. So we say we do three things for a ship owner operator when we deploy our systems on board the vessel. The first is we help them understand what they have on board the vessel. That's really quite hard to do when these things are remote systems. The second is the system helps them secure what they have on board the vessel. And the third is it helps them prove that they've secured it to anyone who's asking, whether it's internal or external, because in the end, the ship owner has a responsibility and obligation to ensure that the vessel's seaworthy and increasingly that include, includes ensuring that it's also cyber safe. Fantastic for that. Okay, so we are on a bite-sized podcast today. We've limited ourselves to 10 minutes or thereabouts in which to set the scene and, and create the picture in the mind's eye of the ship owner of what an actual cyber attack looks like for his vessels at sea. And as I said earlier to you, it was music to my ears when, when I heard that you'd been actively involved in one such attack. So really, yeah, I, I think we're going to be talking about a malware attack on a number of vessels within a fleet. So really, I'm going to hand back to you now and, and ask you just to walk us through the situation at hand, how it happened and how you got involved, how the company responded and recovered from, recovered from that attack. To take a step back, the context is really important here because when we found this malware on these vessels, it was just around the time when the Russia-Ukraine situation was escalating. And in shipping in general, it's not a targeted sector for nation-state. So when you find something that has real links to nation-state actors within shipping and on vessel systems, you really need to pay attention in light of the, the particular geopolitical tensions as well. In this particular case, we found a piece of malware on seven vessels in this fleet, as a much larger fleet. And that particular malware is from a family called PlugX, if it means anything to anybody. But it's been a piece of malware that's been around for a bit of time. But this particular variant, uh, the strain, started in 2020. And it was very closely linked to political espionage to provide insight to whoever was attacking for the uh, on the systems on board the vessel, in particularly linked to espionage in Myanmar and the Philippines. And what it's designed to do is it's designed to get on board the vessel, get very, very stealthily spread itself as much as possible, and then give the attacker full control of that machine. 
So that means changing files, deleting files, updating new ones, pinging and spreading out to lots of other files. And what was particularly unique about this, 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 this malware was that we found it on seven vessels at the same time, as soon as we switched on our systems. And often vessels are considered like islands, where you can almost secure each vessel and keep them separate from others. And why we thought this one was particularly important to deal with very quickly was because we'd found it on, on more than one, which means that the source of this probably isn't on the vessel. It's probably spread onto the vessel in some form, which is why it was quite important to think about. And in terms of having discovered the existence of this malware on board multiple vessels in the fleets, was there any sort of a scenario planning around what the outcomes might be if that wasn't dealt with in short? With this particular customer, they had a decent emergency plan because we'd help them sort of put it together and, and, and get it up to scratch before we had deployed our system. And so that kicked into plan, which was in this particular case, very positive. So it never led to a claim or a significant operational loss. The key thing initially was to make sure you contain the incident, make sure it doesn't spread any further than the assets that we found it. Take those particular assets offline if required so it stops that that worming and that spreading. And then thereafter, you know, for those machines that can take more time to replace and upgrade and update than, than the process of going through and replacing and updating and upgrading them, removing that malware. And so, but that could take uh, a little bit longer than the the initial sort of explosion of the incident. Right. And so can I ask, I mean, was it possible to provide a remedy to this situation remotely? Were you able to to remove the offending files and, and cleanse the systems on board these ships? Not in this particular case. So, however, we were able to work with the client to isolate those systems so that at least it kept the, the the affected systems isolated from all the other good ones. Trying to do it remotely in this particular case would have been uh, a concern because the last thing you want to do is bring that back onto your onshore systems and then effectively have the fire spread wilder than just those seven. Indeed, yeah. And uh, okay, and did you, I mean, in, in the course of the investigation and analysis, did you find any evidence of file corruption or were you confident there'd be no migration ashore by the ship shore link? Sadly, these things are very hard to do when you don't have a system in place that sort of records and retains this information because you're effectively trying to go back in time, but you don't necessarily have the retained data to work out the forensics around it. And I think this is one of our the mantras that we've been trying to share with the sector. Yes, it's good to set up a wall and a fence and protect something from coming through, but the reality is someone can climb over it or squeeze through the bars and the gates. What do you do next? And this is where you know a CCTV system or a monitoring system effectively for cyber incidents helps you capture, retain, so that you can then retrace the steps to work out how bad it is, but it, you can also retrace to be able to stop it from happening in the future. And then I guess the other questions is origin, you know, what was the origin of this? I mean, you know, you, you mentioned it's a large fleet. Is it random that seven vessels out of the fleet were, were affected by this and the others weren't? Is, was it possible to work out what, what, where the origin of this was and, and how it got on board these vessels? Were these vessels connected in a different way, perhaps, to the vessels in the fleets or was there any analysis around? Yep. So we could confirm that it was spread across the vessel via USB sticks. And we could even get to the point of understanding what came along, what files were transferred alongside those USB sticks, which start to then give us a picture of who might those USB sticks belong. Our best guess is, again, without having the luxury of going back in time because our systems weren't turned on at the time, um, our best guess is it's one of two sources. The first is it's a port and it's sort of visitors from a port. And if you look at the way these uh, the voyages for these particular vessels, they were calling at similar ports. And so that sort of explains, particularly 
when there's a link to political espionage to explain it. The second is potentially it's a compromise of a supplier. And when that supplier comes on board the vessel to fix something or, you know, collect maintenance logs, he or she then inadvertently transfers that malware onto the vessel and it starts to spread from there. And it's most likely one of those two sources. And in terms of motivation, you know, we're, we're talking nation state interference. I mean, what would, what would, what would be the motivation for a nation state to do this type of activity? The fact is in shipping, except for very specific sectors of voyages or cargo and shipping, most nation state activity is effectively collateral damage. The nation state is uh, a bit like with NotPetya and the incident with Maersk. What happens is the nation state intends to create some effect, but very hard to control that effect sometimes. And then it just spreads onto a vessel as collateral damage. Uh, and in this case, as far as we can tell, that that was the case in this in, in, in this particular. So just, just two quick questions to end with really, because this, you know, it's always great talking to people who've had first-hand experience of this. I've got to say, Daniel, it's, it's, it's illuminating. So was there any actual operational disruption to this client or was it all contained on board and managed by themselves and their third party? Because we were able to escalate it quite quickly, the operational disruption was just down to replacement of software and hardware and the time and, and cost it took to, to, to do that. So in this particular case, we were quite lucky. Excellent. Okay, so I think that covers everything we had to speak today in our bite-side postcats. I couldn't, I couldn't let you go without a quick comment on the current situation we find ourselves in and the heightened threat level. Obviously, I've read quite extensively around this subject in the past, and of course, I understand. You know, Russia have serious cyber warfare assets to deploy to the Ukraine should they see fit to do so. And, and as you've already remarked within this podcast about the impact of the NotPetya, which was alluded to have been of a, of a similar origin. I mean, ship owners, I presume your advice would be to be on on high alert right now. Would that be right? Yes. The way we're thinking about it is, so the first thing to say is that across the vessels we monitor, and we've got quite a large install base now, we've not actually seen a spike of targeted attacks on shipping systems. So I think that's the first thing to say. Of course, this is changing on a daily basis. And so the way we've been asking our ship owners to think about it is there are a list of scenarios the scenario that the situation can change. And so monitor those scenarios because otherwise it's quite hard to retain all of the input and all of the, the rapid change. And those scenarios are, for example, things like a crew change or you know specific ports of call. And if those scenarios trigger, then put that vessel on high alert, high alert because then you're practically dealing with it based on triggers rather than just getting overwhelmed by having to be on high alert for everything all of the time, which is really quite hard to do. Excellent. A way to end this podcast. It's, it's the first time we've met, but it's been a pleasure to meet you, Daniel. I hope our paths will cross more in as we go forward. I wish every business success for you and uh, and your company cyber owl i'm sure you have a bright future ahead of you and uh, and thank you for contributing to this educational material today it's been great to speak with you it's been a real pleasure tom thank you very much we'd like to thank the show's sponsor maritime insurance solutions limited the world and life at sea is changing on a daily basis Shipping companies and owners are facing evolving threats from political risk to increased maritime cyber risk. Shoreline has the maritime insurance answers you need to make sure your company is covered when crisis strikes. Shoreline are providers of specialist maritime cybercrime and crisis response insurance policies. To learn more about these specialist covers, Visit www.shoreline.bm today.